Last evening at the 5 p.m. Mass, we had 85 uh, teenagers here who had spent 10 hours on retreat that day, uh, yesterday, in the hall, preparing for their confirmation. Uh, and it was wonderful because they fit in so beautifully with the scriptures. And at the last Mass at 8 o'clock, we had our RCIA kids, there are about 10 of them, who are preparing to receive all their sacraments of initiation on Easter Vigil. They'll be baptized, confirmed, and receive their first Eucharist. And I said to them all, I said, did you hear those readings tonight? It all comes down to two words, the call. The call. And this is a really big concept in our church and, and even in the, all of the Judeo-Christian tradition, to be called by God. So we hear in the first reading, Israel is called. And, and God says to Israel, ah, no, you're not just my servant. I'm going to make you a light to the nations. You will become a light to all the nations. What a tremendous call. And then Paul says in that uh, second reading, the letter to the Corinthians, it's a, a t the title or the beginning of that um, letter, and he gives himself a title. He says, I, Paul, called to be an apostle by God. Called by God to be an apostle. And then we kept singing, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I come to do your will. This is a, a way of thinking that we have in the church that, that we, we don't just come to church. We are the church. But we get locked in language sometimes. We say things like that. Well, I'm going to church. You're not going to church. You are the church who is gathering. And when we get that concept that every single person in here is being called today, multiple times. Yeah, we have the basic call of baptism, but do you think God leaves it at that? All day long he calls us, calls us to love, calls us to forgive, calls us to be compassionate, calls us to be generous, calls us to seek forgiveness and give forgiveness. And we get, we get called all day long to these multiple ways of responding to God in our life. But today, the scripture focuses in a particular way on John the Baptist. But there's a couple wrinkles here, and I have to bring them up because otherwise uh, we just hear it and, and don't make the connection. For example, twice today in that reading, John says, I did not know him. Really? I thought he was the cousin of Jesus. But that's only in Luke's gospel, only in Luke. And in that famous story, uh, Mary uh, has heard that her cousin is pregnant, and she's pregnant with Jesus. So Mary, the cousin of Elizabeth, leaves, pregnant with Jesus in her womb, goes and greets Elizabeth, who is pregnant with John the Baptist, in her womb. And the moment she says, hello, Elizabeth, Elizabeth says, the moment you greeted me, my baby, John the Baptist, jumped in my womb because he recognized Jesus in your womb. Now, on one level, it's an absurd story because a baby in the womb of one mother can't recognize a baby in the womb of another person. Uh, identical twins don't even recognize themselves together, I don't think. But it's Luke's brilliant way of inviting us to ask if we recognize Jesus in our lives. It's very easy to talk about Jesus and come here and praise the Lord and all that, but, but do we recognize him in a way and what he means to us and what he does to us. Because if we don't, we'll just go to church. But if we recognize the Christ, 
we'll realize that we have been called to be church. Now, John is the last gospel written, but he knew the gospel of Luke for sure. It had been around probably 30 years before John wrote his gospel. I don't know that for 100% sure, but I'll say 99.9% sure he knew Luke. This was a Christian community. They were aware of all the writings and everything that was going on. But he tells the story, and he says that John didn't even know Jesus, didn't know him, never met him. But he was being moved or called by the Spirit multiple times. When you see this man, this is the one you are preparing everyone to meet. John was out in the desert baptizing people to cleanse them from their sin and get them ready to receive the kingdom of God. Repent and believe in the kingdom. Repent and believe in the kingdom. And then the moment he sees Jesus, he says, Ah, behold the Lamb of God. You know, when I was in fourth grade, I've told you this before, but I had my first call from the Holy Spirit, I think. Now, I have to say, have you ever been outside and a bunch of those parrots fly over or a bunch of pigeons and one of them accidentally goes poo-poo on your head or arm or something? Has that ever happened to you? It's gross. It's gross. Uh, it makes a poo on you. Well, the Spirit made a poo on me in fourth grade. It was a, a brief one. And I thought one week, I think I want to be a priest. It lasted about three days. And then I think I want to be a fireman. It lasted a few days. And I think I want to be a doctor. And I, you know, I was a fourth grader. I was just a punk little kid. But in seventh grade, I had a real call from the Spirit. And it was bizarre. I went with my parents out to the San Fernando Cemetery because they were, we were going somewhere, I think, to see my dad's cousin. And we stopped there because they wanted to just visit briefly and pray for a moment at the grave of a friend. And if you're standing there in the cemetery grounds, you look over there, it's the old seminary. Now it's a high school. And I, I said, Dad, what are those buildings? Because they they're pretty profound buildings. And he said, oh, that's the seminary. I said, what's that? That's where a boy goes to study to be a priest. And I said in my head, clearly, I'm going to go there. I don't know where that came from. And... Um, I'm not so sure it stuck, but, I, but it was a moment where I, that I remember back, I, I said that inside my head. I didn't tell anybody. But later that year, the Sarah Club, they used to be at all the parishes, they would uh, rent buses and take kids from the Catholic schools or, or from religious ed programs out to the seminary, boys to see the seminary, experience it. So I went because I think the nun told us we all had to go, and so I went. In fact, five in my class joined the seminary. Uh, the year later. But I went and I was struck. That's when I got the call to priesthood. To what? I don't know. I know they said mass and I knew they heard confessions. That's where I bumped into them all the time. But what their life was about, I mean, I do that. But I don't think that's my primary role. That's, it's kind of like the frosting on the cake. I think my primary role is preaching. Preaching. I think that's the primary one. And, and the resultant from my preaching is the ministry to be involved with people for healing and for helping them find hope and discover their call. So I went to my first parish after I was ordained in uh, 1976. Went to San Marino. And one of the first things that struck me was OMG. I get to get up on weekends and preached to about 1,500 people. 
you know, at different masses. In fact, in that parish, as well as in my deacon parish the year before, uh, they had the practice, it was rare, but they had the practice where one priest would preach all the masses. So you got to touch the entire parish at that weekend and then not preach for the next two weekends and then the next weekend again. So when I would preach, I'd look at all these people and they would respond or react to me and I, I thought, oh my God, this is awesome. Who am I at 26 years of age able to get up there and talk to all these people and maybe influence them? Maybe touch their heart. Maybe they will hear in something I say that helps them to feel a connection with God. What an awesome and amazing thing to do. So all through my priesthood, and here too, like I have four masses today, yesterday, five, I, I get to touch the whole parish here almost every weekend. I can't tell you how extraordinary that is, how awesome and how humbling that is. And it makes me want to say, I, I need to choose my words carefully, and I need to make the right connections so that I can share something that, that might help. So, here's John, called by the Spirit to, to tell people he's coming, he's coming, he's coming, and then he comes. And he recognizes immediately, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, why, of all things, the Lamb of God? Well, for the Jews... You know, they would have their sacrifices of a lamb, of the most perfect lamb they could find, without blemish, clean as a whistle. They take that lamb and kill it, spill out all the blood, sprinkle it over the people and over the altar. And by the taking of that life and giving that life to God, they saw that as the ultimate way of sacrificing themselves and asking in return that God would forgive them of their sins. It was a very awesome moment for them. So for John to notice him as the Lamb of God. Now, again, uh, you know, we never know in the Scriptures exactly whether that was said before or after his death and resurrection. So when the Gospel got written, if we know after the death and resurrection that he's the Lamb of God, why not say it at the beginning and make it be prophetic? And... And you might say, but that's not honest if he didn't say it then. It's a story to tell us who is Jesus. And if we come finally to know him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, not a problem for John to say it before we know it's going to happen. So there again, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Why that's so significant for us? Right before, actually, the Eucharistic prayer ends with the great Amen. We sing amen, amen, amen. And then that rite finishes. We heard the liturgy of the word where we're in right now, then the liturgy of the Eucharist, and then we start the rite of communion. And the rite of communion begins with the Our Father. For me, this is another high point because um, I, I don't like when we sing the Our Father because not everybody likes to sing or can sing. There's a lot of frogs in every congregation. And, and also sometimes people uh, just don't know the words or no, they know the words but not the melody. So I hate to take that prayer away from people because it's the one prayer that everybody says diligently. It's amazing. I mean, if you stood up here at the altar and looked out there, you'll see people. And in this church, they don't do so much holding of hands, but we used to in St. Joseph, and they would rock back and forth. The black community, they love doing all this, and they'd say that prayer so deeply. Loved it. Well, 
We start with the, the, our Father, then we pray the prayer, deliver us, Lord, and, and, and we pray for peace. And then we sing or pray the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We all say it, like with John, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. We repeat that three times. And then finally, the priest holds up the host in the cup. It says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. How happy, how blessed are we who are called to the supper of the Lamb. The last thing. And we say, Lord, I'm not worthy. You should come under my roof. But you're going to. Thank you. Thank you. Come on in. Come on in. We want you. We need you. That's the rite of communion. But I'm afraid. In our church, there's so much symbolism, and so much ceremony, a lot of verbiage, a lot of words. In fact, I have to say a lot of words. If I were you out there, I'd be saying, does he ever stop talking, ever? There was a priest, Monsignor Carl Gerken. He's long been dead. He was at the seminary when I was in high school. And he took care of the mission chapel also, and he'd do benediction over there regularly. So I went over to help and do the incense and all that. And um, we prayed the rosary during this um, benediction service. And I don't know if you know this, but the, the rosary is a very distinct prayer. It's a mantra prayer. You're, well, for whatever it's worth, you're not supposed to concentrate so much on Hail Mary, full of grace of the Lord. That's, we know that prayer so much, it becomes a mantra. It becomes like a background, like a song. We have our ten beads, so that's how we count them. We, we don't even concentrate. We just, Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace. But during that Hail Mary, full of grace, we're supposed to be thinking on the mystery. So like the first glorious mystery, the resurrection. We're supposed to get lost in our meditation on the resurrection. It's this style of prayer. Well, he concentrated on the prayer. And every time he prayed it, he would emphasize a different word. He'd say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord. <laughs> and and it used to put a smile on my face because I thought, what is he doing? You know, he emphasized this word that. But I find myself doing the same. I I'm up here at prayer, and I look for the words that that pack the most meaning, and I try to emphasize them, like I just emphasized, emphasize, because if I emphasize the right word that helps make a connection, maybe in this plethora of words that I use, uh, an idea will stick. That's what I feel is my responsibility, to try and make the liturgy meaningful. And it isn't always easy. But in this liturgy, we focus on the call. And lest we think that this is all about St. John, please, please let us be aware, it's all about us. That story of over 2,000 years ago is read and proclaimed today so that we will find our place in it. And if every one of us doesn't walk out of here realizing that we're called, then this liturgy today did not do what it was supposed to do. Every one of us is called. This little guy over here, He's being called, but he doesn't know yet. He can't possibly understand it. And if there's, any, I, there's probably no one 80 here, I'm sure. We're, we're all a young community here. But if there is anyone 80 or older, be sure you are still being called. 
And you're being called in unique ways that, that somebody 30 can't do. And if you have grandchildren or great-grandchildren, you're being called in a special way to them and for them. The call keeps coming. And all day long, I believe, you and I are called. And this story today, we look at John, notice. He says, I didn't even know him. I didn't even know him. But I recognized who he was then, and I proclaimed it. Told everyone, behold, the Lamb of God. So the challenge that I think faces you and me together, not just me, the priest, oh, that's his job up there. He's supposed to do that. Well, so are you. We're all baptized as priest, prophet, and king, all of us. And how will you be priest today to this world? How will you be priest? I know I repeat myself, but sometimes, you know, when, I, when I'm up here, something hits me and I just got to say it. So if you are the person I'm talking about, please forgive me, okay? I'm not making fun of you. I'm just uh, noticing something. I couldn't tell you what it was, but about uh, 10 years ago, I came out of the door where the office was over there, and I was going to go out the front door, and I saw a woman there who was huff. She was in a huff state. I could tell right away, she, like she just bit into a lemon or something. So I gently said, oh, hi, how are you today? You look like you're having a rough day. She said, Father, I can't believe what happened today. It was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And I know that because when she referred back to 10 a.m., I thought, for three hours? But she said this to me. I was in the bank this morning. I got there early so I could get my business done. A woman walked right in front of me. She didn't even say, excuse me. And she was still upset over this three hours later. I want to say, get over it, honey. Get over it. I, how often does that happen to us? And that was going to ruin your whole day. It already took three hours that you'll never get back. I think, you know, we are called. We are called deep within our spirit to be a source of life and healing. I believe she was being called to forgive that woman. I'm not judging her. I'm not saying I would be better, but, but it's clear. We're not supposed to carry that garbage, that baggage, and be miserable all day. God doesn't want that for anybody. In fact, one of my favorite things to tell people when they feel rejected and stepped on and pooed on and everything else, there's your prayer. Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. That's the prayer that we got to know and speak from the depths of our heart. And when we do it, we're free. We become free. So here we are, second Sunday, ordinary time, getting introduced to a call to be a light to the nations, being introduced to be Paul called by God to be an apostle, being introduced to John, who didn't even know who that Jesus was, but somehow came to realize that's him. That's the one. So what will happen in you and me this day? How will, we, we, how will we experience the call? And most important, if we hear it, if we hear it, can we and will we respond?